Hi, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the MMNM podcast. I'm Steve Madden. I'm the editor-in-chief and general manager of MMNM. And with me today is Sim Simeonov, who is the co-founder and chief technology officer of Swoop. Swoop is part of Real Chemistry. Sim, welcome. Nice to be here, Sim. How are you? I'm um, good, thanks. It's great to have you here. I'm looking forward to chatting with you because I feel like I've got a lot to learn. I keep hearing a lot of buzzwords um, that, that uh, keep coming up in, with increasing frequency. And I feel like uh, by talking to the CTO of a company that does a lot in AI and machine learning, we can get to the bottom of some of this. So um, first of all, uh, tell me a little bit about Swoop. What, uh, what exactly is Swoop and what do you guys do? Swoop is a company that's now about a decade old. We've always been innovators in ad tech, particularly focused on very high quality, very high quality targeting in particular. And nowadays we allow our clients to reach um, health audiences in a private self mode, both direct to consumer and HCPs as well. And, and what is the core competency of Swoop? The core competence really is um, highly scalable and very accurate privacy safe machine learning and AI. Great. Okay, so there, there are two of those buzz, buzz phrases that I wanted to, to get to. Before we go into a deeper conversation about this, I think it's really important to sort of define our terms here, right? Um, what is the difference between AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, and even, even more uh, deep learning? There are three, three things I keep hearing about. What's the difference? I'm not sure we're going to find two experts that agree on an exact right definition, but in business terms, the difference is actually fairly simple to understand. Think about three concentric circles. The broadest one is AI, artificial intelligence. Um, machine learning is the second one. It's a subset of artificial intelligence and deep learning is a subset of machine learning. So let's kind of go from the outside in. Um, the basic idea in business terms of artificial intelligence is that it's machine doing things that we as humans consider smart. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, the, founder, the boundary is fuzzy and it's expanding you know, by the month because there's a lot of focus on AI and machines are getting better at doing all kinds of things that they weren't good at doing even just a year or two ago. So for example, a chatbot can now maintain a pretty good and high quality customer service conversation and solve a problem and not really sound like a machine. That wasn't possible a few years ago, and it's an example of an AI system. Machine learning is a subset of AI and mostly deals with machines um, developing capabilities to solve problems through experience. Now, what does it mean to develop something for experience and, uh, you know, for experience as opposed to what else? Well, think about it. You know, the traditional way to make a computer solve a problem is to give it an algorithm, a very specific set of instructions to say, you know, do this, then do this, then do something else. And um, in some ways it requires the person who's providing the instructions to know how to solve the problem themselves. And machine learning, um, the experience comes in the form of data. The data could be historical data, as in say, um, uh, an algorithm tries to predict the chance of rain tomorrow, looking at historical weather data, or it could be actually generated through experience, through trial and error, like a robot arm failing a million times to pick up a ping pong ball and then learning on the million and first time 
from all the data generated with a million tries, you know, dropping it, squishing it, missing, but eventually getting it right. And deep learning as a subset of machine learning is simply a kind of machine learning where the um, architectures and algorithms take inspiration from neural systems and the architecture of the brain, essentially. Okay. So with those distinctions made, um, given, given who's listening to this podcast, how do you apply them to medical marketing, specifically pharmaceutical marketing? Well, there are many ways it can be applied, but um, the, the main way is usually in targeting audiences in a precise privacy safe manner. I mean, ultimately the core of marketing is to deliver a message to an audience and generate good ROI doing it. Um, it's challenging to figure out how to leverage machine learning and AI successful in this area, especially if you're a client, because those phrases have become, uh, I like to buzzword compliant. <laughs> so, you know, there's a big shift in how value is created on the business side. Uh, it used to be that value in marketing was created through data, through essentially counting. Analytics, measurement, those are fancy words for counting things, counting patients, counting doctors, counting ad impressions. In the past few years, there's been a big shift to value being created through applications of machine learning and AI. And when a market shifts, every vendor's marketing materials shift uh, independently of their product or much faster than their product. And so every vendor will tell you that they do machine learning and AI and every vendor will probably tell you that theirs is the best one. <laughs> um, what problems do you use it to, to solve in pharmaceutical marketing? I mean, think about the, the challenge of having a message reach an audience. Let's just stick to direct-to-consumer, um, just to keep things simple. Health data is sensitive data. Um, Non-covered entities cannot use potentially identifiable information with health data. So right there, you have a big privacy problem. How do you use all this knowledge? How do you use knowledge of what happens in the real world to have a message reach a group of patients that want to be educated about something in a privacy-safe manner? It's, it's a very complicated exercise independent of the specific ML and AI components in it, uh, figuring out the data architecture, the privacy architecture, doing it well, making sure that privacy doesn't hurt accuracy, um, and then obviously building the types of models or other systems to do it well. It's actually not okay to use traditional machine learning, just basic model classifications to make predictions to target patients in all possible conditions. So it's actually a, a pretty complex problem to get it to get it right. What about uh, if you, so it's we all know that it's not just enough to reach the right audience. You have to be able to measure performance. You have to be able to to go back to the client and say, you know, here's what we did, and here are the results it drove. You know, you're talking about say an HCP influencer. Are you able to use AI or ML to, to really identify the right people and then measure the results of that? Yes, not so much the measurement. You know, you really want to kind of separate targeting from measurement, mm -hmm. right? In fact, I would argue it's better to always have independent third-party measurement, right? You don't necessarily want the fox policing the chicken coop. In our business at Swoop, we focus on the targeting part and, um, you know, we encourage our clients to measure with whoever they have measuring relationships with, be they Crossix, IQVIA, somebody else. Our specialty is ensuring that the performance is, um, is really high, and that can be done in a number of different ways, but 
it really begins with how you optimize yourself for doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about how uh, machine learning AI as marketing buzzwords get attached to absolutely everything, but messaging and reality aren't always the same thing. And the companies that organize to be about counting things, analytics, measurement, and the way they typically approach data science is the way you use salt in a recipe. You add it to the end and it kicks up you know, the taste and improve the taste of many things. But salt can't fundamentally fix a flawed recipe or transform a pie into a stew or cover for the use of bad ingredients. You can't just take a company that does X, hire a couple of data scientists and say, oh, now we're going to do X plus machine learning and AI. You actually can do this, but um, are you really going to be generating the highest possible quality machine learning and AI? Just think about it. There's a huge scarcity of uh, data science talent. The best data scientists want to work at companies whose core business is machine learning and AI, not who use it as you know salt at the end of whatever they're of whatever they're already doing. I love your analogy, and it's why uh, it's why I never buy uh, salted butter. I always feel like unsalted butter, butter tastes better because they're they're trying to cover up some flaw, here, some here. flaw, some flaw. Unsalted butter. butter all the way. That's right. So part of what Swoop does is help clients find more precisely. Uh, the audience. Um, what, what's the advantage of, of using your products? Uh, and is there a time or a cost difference? So to understand our approach to targeting, you first need to understand the, the way audience targeting typically happens right now. I know how we talked about that some companies start from the ground up being built around machine learning and AI versus others kind of try to slap it on like, like salt. Here's the simplest way to, to think about it, um, the way technology is leveraged in a company. Think of a three-layer pyramid, right? It's the free piece. At the bottommost layer, you have platform capabilities that are shared across all products in the company. And the second layer, you have product capabilities that are capabilities of a given product. And at the third layer, you have project capabilities that are client-specific. Very often, companies that are selling machine learning and AI who weren't really designed to do machine learning and AI are adding ML and AI at the project level almost. They may claim they have a product, but if you scratch the surface, you realize that it's not that much technology. Most of the delivery is done by people banging on keyboards and, and making something happen. So for example, the way this expresses itself in the targeting world is this idea that the way somebody should go target an audience in the health space is by going to a data marketplace, say Live Ramps, find a pre-existing uh, segment that's already built for the kind of audience they want to go after, and just buy it, send it to their DSP and activate marketing. So if you want to target diabetics, go find the diabetes segment from a vendor who's already built it, activate it for targeting. Well, think about this for a moment. Um, a company like Nova Nordisk has many different products for diabetics. Mm-hmm. They're designed for different kinds of diabetics. Not only that, but any one campaign may have different objectives. You may be trying to bring in new people to the treatment. You may be trying to improve adherence. You may be trying to target users of competitive treatments. Right there, however many different types of diabetics one wants to target, we just talked about at least three different variations in 30 seconds um, that we could come up with for targeting. Not talking about any kind of A-B testing you want to do in how you define the exact audience you want to target. 
So why is it logical for there to be one segment for diabetics? If there's so many different campaign objectives and so many different ideal patient audiences that different drugs target within the overall population of diabetics, it just doesn't make sense. In fact, you know it doesn't make sense when you ask pharma companies and agencies who serve them how they measure their media. The very same company that may have bought this one-size-fit-all diabetic segment will actually be measuring the very specific type of diabetic patient that they're interested in targeting. Maybe somebody with an obesity index over a certain number, or maybe gender-focused treatment, et cetera, et cetera. So the obvious question then is, why aren't you targeting what you're measuring? It just doesn't make sense. And the short answer is because it doesn't fit the business model of the vendors that use machine learning and AI like Salt. When your ML and AI capabilities are typically at the tip of the pyramid at the project level, the way you get the next one built is by putting a team of data scientists on it. And they take some number of weeks and they do probably good work and they build one of these segments. So if you were to build one for every single unique need of a client, you'd have to hire hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of data scientists. And as the volume of demand goes up and down, you'll be stuck with costs. So companies who don't have ML and AI capability as the platform level try to push towards these one-size-fit-all solutions because they're optimal for them. It doesn't mean that you can't build a custom segment um, and those companies. If you go to them, they'll say, sure, we'll build you a custom segment, but it will take some number of weeks and we want a minimum commitment of media spend. Now think about this. You're building an ML output. Whenever you build an ML output, there always is some uncertainty of how well it's going to work. You may have done hundreds of them in the past. You never know whether the 101st one is going to be as good, better, or a little bit worse. Why does it make sense for an agency or a client to commit a quarter million dollars in media against a segment whose performance is uncertain? It doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? You want to get a segment, maybe you want to start with 50K in the first month and then grow fast if it performs and cut back or drop it all together if it doesn't perform. But that type of cost structure wouldn't work for the vendors, which have to spend significant labor in this very custom middle-aged craftsmanship way of building segments. Counter this to a company that's built from the ground up for machine learning and AI where ML and AI capabilities are baked into the platform level at the base of the pyramid, then exposed through products. And at the project level, we simply have to talk about what's important to you as a client. What's the ideal patient you want to target? Then we'll build a segment exactly for that ideal patient. And you know that kind of accuracy and precision, can you achieve that in a way that's, that's still privacy safe? Oh, absolutely. Look, there's a, there's a false dichotomy that you can have privacy, you can have accuracy, but you can't have both. It used to be this way when people use these very traditional privacy architectures um, where you have to over sanitize the data before you do any meaningful work with it. There's actually a famous study when they trained a machine learning model to predict um, the dosing of a blood phenomorphin, different levels of privacy. And I found out that at high levels of privacy, you know, the model would still predict some number um, for the dosing for the drug, but it would actually hurt patients. The machine learning algorithm doesn't understand the real world. To it, the input is all numbers. Mm -hmm. 
The problem is in this traditional approaches of privacy, what you do is you end up over-sanitizing the data before you do any work. And so the data ends up representing another universe, a parallel universe. Within that universe, the answer that comes out of your model is correct. It just makes no sense in our universe. Um, I can't speak to how other vendors do it. In our case, um, fundamentally different approach to privacy, a federated privacy architecture is built at the platform level of Swoop. Is this what you call privacy by design? Um, privacy by design is a, an idea that can be applied in many different ways. Um, in our case, yes, privacy by design usually means that you should be applying privacy at the base architecture layers of your system, as opposed to, again, like salt at the end. So in our world, you actually get better accuracy and better privacy. What's the catch? The catch is that it costs many millions of dollars to put this type of uh, system in place, right? It's not a thing that you could um, kind of casually do. But if you know you want to do a lot of those things and you want to constantly process data and be able to do it in a privacy safe way, you know, HIPAA compliant, CCPA compliant, NAA compliant, um, then you make this investment up front. To give you an example, um, most people who target um, audiences in health have about 200 to 300 different pre-built segments because those are the kinds of things that people are willing to spend money. We've been selling for a little over a year. We've built over a thousand custom ones, custom precision segments for our clients, starting with the basic question, what is your ideal patient population that you're trying to reach? And what's your campaign objective? What's the type of message you want to give them? And um, by investing in kind of a, a core platform and system that is built from the ground up for machine learning and AI, we can afford to do this um, at scale without asking for media commitments and, uh, you know, with the turnaround time of a week. You're, uh, you're listening to the MMNM podcast. I'm Steve Madden, editor of MMNM, and my guest is Sim Simeonov, co-founder and CTO of Swoop. And we're having a fascinating and salty conversation uh, about uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, Sim, how, how can ML and AI help measure concepts like uh, HCP influence? That's a, that's a much more complicated question. Um, the short answer is they can. We have to begin by understanding what are the dimensions of HCP influence. Are you influential because you're a research scientist that uh, writes influential articles that people cite? Are you influential because you're a principal investigator uh, or part of a team working on a clinical trial? Are you influential because you refer a lot of patients even if you don't treat? Are you influential because you uh, write a lot of scripts? Are you influential because you have a social media following? Um, there's so many, many dimensions of, um, of influence in the health space. And one of the most challenging uh, problems in optimization when you have multiple dimensions is how you deal with this. And, and by the way, that's a very different problem than just say training a model to do, you know, to predict something. Um, our history is actually of running an end-to-end -end ad network where we had to make optimization decisions across campaigns, across advertisers. So uh, we have a lot of experience with those types of problems that often come out of fields such as uh, operations research. And um, 
yes, if you bring in data, some of which uh, doesn't exist um, in sort of readily available, ready to purchase forms, and you link it appropriately, um, you can you can process information and actually see all these different dimensions of influence, and then take action against them. So let's say uh, let's say you're a marketer and you are ready to take action. How can a, a brand uh, and the agencies that work with them begin to use your technology? You know, how how do they engage with Swoop and how do they start putting your your products to work? It's really simple in the direct to consumer space. Um, you tell us what matters to you. What type of campaign do you want to run and what's the ideal patient population you want to reach? And we'll build a privacy safe, high quality targeting segment that will likely outperform anybody you ever work with for exactly that audience. Um, I made a big claim that will outperform. We, we see this all the time when independent third parties measure our performance. Um, give you a couple of examples uh, off the top of my head. And there was a client with a hepatitis C treatment and I was interested in optimizing top of funnel which in the case of targeting is a measure called audience quality you know what percentage of the people that uh, the message of the campaign reached actually were in that ideal patient population uh, that they defined in our case we're 1.6 times uh, better than the next best you know supposedly machine learning based targeting alternative other clients uh, focus more on bottom of funnel metrics on a cost per type metric. In another case uh, of a diabetes related treatment, um, we were 4.3 times cheaper on a cost per whatever they were measuring. It was related to scripts in their case. The benefit comes from two fundamental reasons. The first one is we just start better off, right? We are building a segment for the exact thing you care about, as opposed to you grabbing some standard segment built for some general notion of say a diabetic and targeting that. So obviously it's a lot more efficient way to spend media dollars. It's built. Um, yeah. A second reason related to um, cost efficiency has to do with the fact that um, much of the spend goes for programmatic advertising, right? In programmatic advertising, advertisers bid for the chance to show an ad when there's an ad opportunity. Imagine what happens if everybody in the diabetes space is targeting using the same segment for diabetics. Whenever the opportunity for somebody in that segment comes in, they all raise their hand and they all place bids, but there's only one ad to show. So either they won't get volume or they have to bid prices up in order to get volume. What basically happens is that advertisers raise prices on each other, sometimes within the same company different brands or different indications of the same drug or different campaign objectives of the same drug will actually be raising prices, media costs on each other, simply because they're butting heads at the auction using exactly the same targeting signal, even though they're going after different objectives. It makes absolutely no sense. So of course it drops ROI. We don't do this because we build custom segments. Sure, there may be some overlap because after all, maybe your ideal diabetic population is 67% similar to somebody else's diabetic population, right? But on the 33% difference, you'll be running uh, without competition. And so you generate a high ROI for lower media costs. And last but not least, it has to do with um, the quality of ML and AI. Again, great data science talent is very, very scarce. 
And the best data scientists want to work at companies where machine learning AI are core to the business. So for a client to understand, sort of separate hype from reality, the simple thing they have to see is what the vendor is selling that's ML and AI based, core to their business or no? That's the difference between steak and sizzle. And that's the, that's the one key thing that people should take away from this conversation. I think so. When everybody tells you that they do machine learning and AI and everybody tells you that there's best, clients need a, a simple rule of thumb to separate myth from reality. And results speak louder than words. Always speak louder than words. Sim, thank you very much. Um, you've been listening to the MM&M podcast. I'm Steve Madden. My guest today has been Sim Simeonov, co-founder and CTO of Swoop. It's been a salty conversation. As I said, it's also been a really fascinating one. Sim, thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by Swoop. Discover how Swoop's precision DTC targeting delivers better audience quality, conversion, and RX lift than generic off-the-shelf approaches at www.swoop.com. Get exclusive segments designed for your specific campaign objectives. That's swoop.com.